Lesson 9 for February 23 to March 1. Satan and his allies. Sabbath afternoon, February 23. Before we start, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that your word is there for us. And as we're studying the last book in the Bible, as we look at what you have prophesied through the Apostle John, we pray that as we do so, that we may see not just your love, but your grace to each one of us. And this week, as we study about the enemy uh, of this plan, we pray that your spirit will guide us and bless us in every way possible. We pray in Jesus' dear name. Amen. Our memory text this week is Revelation chapter 12 and verse 17. Then the dragon was angry with the woman, and he went to wage war with the remnant of her offspring, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Let's read that again, Revelation 12, verse 17. Then the dragon was angry with the woman, and he went to wage war with the remnant of her offspring, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 12 describes Satan's attacks against God's faithful people, including persecution by pagan Rome and later papal Rome during the 1260 days or years, that's AD 538 to 1798. And we're asked to look at Revelation chapter 12 verses 6 13 and 14. Revelation 12 verse 6 reads, Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. And verses 13 and 14, Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. And we're also told to look at lesson chapter 7, and that's Tuesday's lesson for lesson 7. And you can turn back to that at any time you like. Chapter 13 describes in more detail Satan's attacks during Christian history with the help of two allies, both portrayed as beasts. Under Satan's direction, the dragon and these two beasts will unite at the end of time to oppose God's redemptive activities and seek to win the allegiance of the world. A word of caution is necessary. It is easier to interpret prophecies already fulfilled in the past. But when we come to prophecies yet to be fulfilled, as we do in Tuesday's study, we need to be more cautious. God shows us what will happen at the time of the end so that we will not be surprised, but he does not tell us every detail we would like to know. We must always remember that while these prophecies tell us what will happen at the end, they do not tell us when and exactly how the final events will unfold. We must therefore be careful not to speculate beyond what prophecy tells us. Let us not forget that the prophecies of Revelation have practical purposes to teach us how to live today and to be prepared for the future.
Sunday, February 24, The Beast from the Sea Question. Read Revelation chapter 13, verses 1 to 4 and 8, and Revelation 17, verse 8. What are the characteristics of this beast, and what are the phases of its existence? Revelation 13, beginning at verse 1. Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard, his feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like a mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marvelled and followed the beast. So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And verse 8 All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. Revelation 17 and verse 8 reads, The beast that you saw was, and is not, and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel, whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they see the beast that was, and is not, and yet is. John watches as a monstrous beast rises out of the sea. While a beast represents a political power, the description of the sea beast points to a political power that has religion as a dominant characteristic. The sea symbolises the largely populated area of Europe out of which the sea beast rises to power after the downfall of the Roman Empire, as we read in Revelation 17 verse 15. Then he said to me, The waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples, multitudes, nations and tongues. John describes the beast as it emerges from the water. The beast has seven heads and ten horns, the same as the dragon in Revelation 12, verse 3 and 4. Let's just have a look at Revelation 12, verses 3 and 4. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. Showing its close connection with the pagan Rome. Upon the heads of the beast is a blasphemous name, and upon the horns are royal crowns. The heads of the beast are the kingdoms that Satan has used to persecute God's people throughout history. Revelation 17, verses 9 to 11. Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. There are also seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short time. The beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth, and is of the seven, and is going to perdition. The blasphemous name points to the divine title the beast claims. 
The ten horns point to Daniel 7.24, symbolizing the nations that sprang out of the Roman Empire after its demise. Revelation 7.24 The ten horns are ten kings who shall arise from this kingdom, and another shall rise after them. He shall be different from the first ones, and shall subdue three kings. These characteristics of the sea beast all point to the papacy that grew out of the pagan Roman Empire. The beast from the sea resembles a leopard with feet of a bear and the mouth of a lion. As such, the beast combines the characteristics of the four beasts. Symbols of world empires in Daniel 7, 2-4, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece and Rome. However, John lists them in reverse order, which from his first century perspective shows that the sea beast is related to the fourth beast of Daniel 7, the Roman Empire. The dragon, the pagan Roman Empire empowered by Satan, gave the beast his power, his throne and great authority. Just as the Father has given his throne and authority to Christ in Revelation 2.27, so Satan invests the beast as his co-regent and representative on earth. Revelation 2.27 reads, He shall rule them with a rod of iron, they shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's wheel, as I also have received from my Father. Revelation 13 verses 5 to 7 states that the period of the beast's persecuting activity through the Christian history is 42 months. Let's read that, Revelation 13, beginning at verse 5. And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and authority was given over every tribe, tongue, and nation. As we have seen, Persecution of the pure woman lasted for a time, and times, and half a time, that is, three and a half times of prophetic years. Revelation 12, verses 13 and 14, and we'll compare that with Daniel 7, 25. Revelation 12, beginning at verse 13. Now, when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness to her place, where she is nourished for a time, and times, and half a time, from the presence of the serpent. And Daniel 7, verse 25, He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and law. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time, and times, and half a time. 42 prophetic months equals 30 days multiplied by 42 or 1,260 days or years. Revelation 12 verse 6, Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. Therefore, 
a time and times and half a time, 42 months and 1,260 days, all refer to the same time period of 1,260 years. This phase ends when John sees one of his, the beast's heads, as if it had been mortally wounded. The subsequent healing of this deadly wound points to a time after 1798 when the beast would be revived and its power restored. The healing of the deadly wound draws the admiration of the world and they worship both the dragon and the beast. Monday, February 25, The Activities of the Sea Beast Revelation chapter 13 verse 5 specifies a time period of persecution that we talked about in yesterday's study. The 42 months of the beast's activities is the same time period as the 1260 years or days of the persecution of the woman church in Revelation, Revelation 12 verses 6 to 14. Verse 6 reads, Then the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by God, that they should feed her there 1,260 days. And verse 14 reads, But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness to her place, where she was nourished for a time, and times, and half a time, from the presence of the serpent. A prophetic day symbolizes a year, Numbers 14, verse 34. According to the number of the days in which you spied out the land, forty days, for each day you shall bear your guilt one year, namely forty years, and you shall know my rejection. And Ezekiel chapter 4 verse 6, And when you have completed them, lie again on your right side, then you shall bear the iniquity of the house of Judah forty days. I have laid on you a day for each year. And it says here to look at Thursday's, oh sorry, Tuesday's study in Lesson 7, and you can turn back to that if you like. The year AD 538 marks appropriately the beginning of this prophetic period when the Roman Church, with the Pope at its head, established itself as a church-state power that dominated the Western world throughout medieval times. The events of the French Revolution inflicted the deadly wound upon the beast in A.D. 1798, thus bringing the Church's oppressive rule and the state-empowered religion to a temporary end. Question. Compare Revelation 13, 5-8 with Daniel 7, 24 and 25 and 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 2-12. In what way do the activities of the sea beast mirror the descriptions of the little horn and the man of lawlessness. Revelation 13, beginning at verse 5. And he was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for forty-two months. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. 
It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. And Daniel 7 verses 24 and 25 reads, The ten horns are ten kings, who shall arise from this kingdom, and another shall rise after them. He shall be different from the first ones, and shall subdue three kings. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and law. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time and times and half a time. And Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 2 through to 12. And that reads, Not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you I told you these things, and now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time? For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion, that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. The sea beast's activities during the prophetic period of 1,260 days or years are stated in terms of blasphemies. In the New Testament, blasphemy can denote a claim of equality with God. As we read in John chapter 10, verse 33, the Jews answering him said, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, and because you, being a man, made yourself God. And Matthew 26, verses 63 to 65, But Jesus kept silent. And the high priest answered and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, It is as you said. Nevertheless, I say to you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes, saying, He has spoken blasphemy. What further need do we have of witnesses? Look, now you have heard his blasphemy. And the action of usurping his authority. Mark 2 verse 7. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? 
The sea beast blasphemies are directed against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven, as it says in Revelation 13 verse 6. The dwelling of God is the sanctuary in heaven where Christ ministers on behalf of our salvation. The sea beast seeks to negate Christ's mediatorial work by attempting to replace it with a human priesthood that claims to administer salvation and the forgiveness of sins. Assuming these powers that belong only to God is the essence of blasphemy. Revelation 13 points to a time of major apostasy in Christianity, which was fulfilled when Roman Catholicism claimed the position and authority of God with the Pope as its head. Those who refused submission to Rome experienced persecution and martyrdom. Although today such statements are viewed as harsh, even bigoted, the present cannot erase the history, no matter how much some people wish that it would. And so to finish today, how can we stay faithful to prophecy about church history and yet, at the same time, be kind and cautious as we present these truths to others? Tuesday, February 26, The Beast Arising Out of the Earth The first half of Revelation 13 describes the Roman Catholic power active during the prophetic period of 1260 days or years with the events of the French Revolution, this religio-political system received a deadly wound. However, the mortal wound will eventually be healed, restoring this system to life. The second half of the chapter describes how the healing of the sea beast's deadly wound actually will happen. Question. Read Revelation chapter 13 verse 11. What are the characteristics of the second beast? In light of Revelation 12, 14 to 16, what is the significance of the fact that this beast emerges out of the earth? Revelation 13 verse 11 And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke as a dragon. And Revelation 12 14 to 16 And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place, where she was nourished for a time, and times, and half a time, from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth, and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. John observes the emergence of another beast. Unlike the first beast, the second beast arises out of the earth. This second beast is a world power with influence of the same calibre as the first beast. However, in contrast to the sea beast, which had a terrifying appearance, the earth beast appears harmless, at least at first. It has two horns like a lamb, as it said in Revelation 13.11. This lamb is a symbol for Christ. Thus, this end-time power appears to be Christ-like. 
This power arises in territory that protected the woman, a symbol of God's true church, from the dragon's persecuting flood at the conclusion of the 1260 days or years, as we read in Revelation 12 verses 14 to 16. This earth beast is obviously a new player on the scene, having arisen as a world power after the sea beast received the deadly wound during the events of the French Revolution, which means the earth beast is exclusively an end-time player. In the Great Controversy, page 440, we read, What nation of the new world was in 1798 rising into power, giving promise of strength and greatness, and attracting the attention of the world? The application of the symbol admits of no question. One nation, and only one, meets the specifications of this prophecy. It points unmistakably to the United States of America. End of quote. Revelation 13.11 shows, however, that America, largely Protestant, will eventually start speaking like the dragon, like the devil himself, with a worldwide influence similar to the Roman power. This end-time power will be instrumental in making the whole world worship the first beast, which received the deadly wound. In other words, the United States, which at one time had provided protection and a haven for the Church, at some point will play a persecuting role in last-day events. And to finish the day, when the United States was first identified as the second beast of Revelation 13, it had nowhere near the power and influence it has now. How does this fact help affirm the identification of the United States as the power depicted in this prophecy? Wednesday, February 27, The Image of the Beast Question, read Revelation chapter 13, verses 12 and 13. How do 1 Kings 18, verse 38 and Acts 2, verse 3 help us understand the nature of the lamb-like beast's deceptive activities, the greatest of which is bringing fire down from heaven? Revelation 13, verse 12 and he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. First Kings 18 verse 38 reads, And then the fire of the Lord fell, and consumed the burnt sacrifice, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. And Acts chapter 2 verse 3 reads, And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. By working miracles, the lamb-like beast will convince many that its words are true, despite not being in full harmony with the scripture. From Great Controversy, page 588, we read, Through the agency of spiritualism, miracles will be wrought, the sick will be healed, and many undeniable wonders will be performed. End of quote. 
These miracles helped the lamb-like beast to persuade the inhabitants of the earth to make an image to the sea beast that received the deadly wound. The healing of the sea beast's deadly wound refers to the restoration of the Roman papacy as a religio-political power. The lamb-like beast also will begin speaking like a dragon and exercising the power of the sea beast, showing that it will become as intolerant as the nations represented by these symbols. And for the rest of today's lesson, we have a quote from The Great Controversy, pages 442 to 445. Such action would be directly contrary to the principles of this government, to the genius of its free institutions, to the direct and solemn avowals of the Declaration of Independence, and to the Constitution. But, the inconsistency of such action is no greater than is represented in the symbol. It is the beast with lamb-like horns, in profession pure, gentle and harmless, that speaks as a dragon, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast. Here is clearly presented a form of government in which the legislative power rests with the people, a most striking evidence that the United States is the nation denoted in the prophecy. But what is the image to the beast, and how is it to be formed? The image is made by the two-horned beast, and is an image to the beast. It is also called an image of the beast. Then, to learn what the image is like and how it is to be formed, we must study the characteristics of the beast itself, the papacy. When the early church became corrupted by departing from the simplicity of the gospel and accepting heathen rites and customs, she lost the spirit and power of God, and in order to control the consciences of the people, she sought the support of the secular power. The result was the papacy, a church that controlled the power of the state and employed it to further her own ends, especially for the punishment of heresy. When the leading churches of the United States, uniting upon such points of doctrine as are held by them in common, shall influence the state to enforce their decrees and to sustain their institutions, then Protestant America will have formed an image of the Roman hierarchy and the infliction of civil penalties upon dissenters will inevitably result. The image of the beast represents that form of apostate Protestantism which will be developed when the Protestant churches shall seek the aid of the civil power for the enforcement of their dogmas. Thursday, February 28, The Mark of the Beast Revelation 13 indicates that the lamb-like beast will have the leading role in the final crisis. This world power will establish a global system in an attempt to control the beliefs of people. This system will mirror medieval Christianity under papal control. 
question. Read Revelation chapter 13, verses 16 and 17, along with Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 to 8. What does putting the mark on the right hand or the forehead have to do with the commandments of God? Revelation 13, verses 16 and 17. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man may buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. And Deuteronomy 6, beginning at verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. People of all classes will be pressured to receive the mark of the beast on their right hands or on their foreheads. Just as the seal in the forehead identifies those whom God regards as his in Revelation 7, 3 and 4 and Revelation 14, 1, so the mark of the beast identifies the worshippers of the beast. Revelation 7 verse 3 and 4, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and they were sealed an hundred and forty-four thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel. And Revelation 14, 1 to 12, And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him an hundred and forty-four thousand, having his father's name written in their foreheads. The mark of the beast is not a visible sign of any kind. Its placement on the right hand or on the forehead counterfeits the instruction that Moses gave the Israelites to bind God's law as a sign upon their hands and their foreheads, as we read in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 8. And that reads, You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. The right hand has to do with behaviour, while the forehead has to do with the mind or mental agreement. Some will choose to receive the mark of the beast to escape the threat of death, while others will be fully committed mentally and spiritually to this apostate system of worship. The central issues in the final crisis will be worship and obedience to God in keeping His commandments. As we read in Revelation 14:12. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. The Sabbath commandment in particular will be the test of faithfulness and obedience to God, as the Sabbath is the distinctive sign of the obedience of God's faithful people, as we read in Ezekiel 12. Moreover, I also gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between them and me, that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. And verse 20, Hallow my Sabbaths, and they will be a sign between me and you, that you may know that I am the Lord your God. So, the mark of the beast is the sign of allegiance to the beast. The mark of the beast involves the substitution of a human commandment for God's commandment. 
The greatest evidence of this fact is the humanly established institution of Sunday. As we see in Daniel 7.25, He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and law. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time and times and half a time. As the day of worship, instead of the seventh day, the day mandated in Scripture by our Creator. The attempt to change the sign of God's authority to another day is an attempt to usurp the role and power of God Himself. We read in the book of Evangelism, page 234 and 235, The mark of the beast is the papal Sabbath. When the decree shall go forth enforcing the counterfeit Sabbath, and the loud cry of the third angel shall warn men against the worship of the beast and his image, then those who still continue in transgression will receive the mark of the beast. End of quote. Revelation 13 verse 18 says, Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. Who is this man? Paul describes him as the man of sin in Second Thessalonians 2 verse 3. This designation points to the papal power symbolized by the sea beast, whose blasphemous name on its heads points to the divine title it claims for itself, supposedly standing in the place of the Son of God on earth. Friday, March 1. Revelation shows that the Sabbath will be a sign of obedience at the end of history. We have to remember, however, that a person's observance of Sunday now does not itself mean that he or she has the mark of the beast. Sunday keeping will become the mark of the beast only when, having clearly understood the issues involved in choosing a day of worship, despite the deceptions out there, people make their choice either for or against God. However, that time lies in the future. In the book of Angelism, page 234 and 235, we read, No one has yet received the mark of the beast. The testing time has not yet come. There are true Christians in every church not accepting the Roman Catholic communion. None are condemned until they have had the light and have seen the obligation of the fourth commandment. But when the decree shall go forth enforcing the counterfeit Sabbath and the loud cry of the third angel shall warn men against the worship of the beast and his image, the line will be clearly drawn between the false and the true then those who still continue in transgression will receive the mark of the beast. End of quote. Let us remember that Sunday observance today does not make a person lost any more than Sabbath observance makes a person saved. The time is coming, however, when the mark of the beast will become the central issue and when choosing a day of worship will be the test of faithfulness. Revelation appeals to God's people to take the Bible and, with a heart-searching spirit, study the prophetic word for themselves and make every effort to reach, with the gospel, those who are today unreached 
for Christ. And that brings us to our two discussion questions for this week. One, as you observe the situation in the world today, what trends do you see in the religious and political spheres that seem to be leading toward the fulfilment of the prophecy of Revelation 13? Two, as we await the end, what should be our attitude toward Christians in other denominations? Think of the following counsel from Testimonies for the Church, Volume 6, page 78. Our ministers should seek to come near to the ministers of other denominations. Pray for and with these men for whom Christ is interceding. A solemn responsibility is theirs. As Christ's messengers, we should manifest a deep, earnest interest in these shepherds of the flock. End of quote. In our attitude toward Christians in other denominations, how can we avoid manifesting a superior attitude or an unchristian spirit? How are we to show respect for them and their personal faith without compromising our beliefs? Inside Story Our mission story this week is titled Solomon and a Cow by Andrew McChesney of Adventist Mission. Mordecai Mismaga turned to God and became a missionary to his fellow Zimbabweans after accidentally hearing a sermon from the Song of Solomon. As a young man, Mordecai was baptised into the Seventh-day Adventist Church in Rhodesia in 1963 and moved to the country's second-largest city, Bulawayo, to find work. He stopped praying and reading the Bible. I became a stubborn man who ran away from the church for 22 years, he said. During those years, he became a soldier and fought in Zimbabwe's war for independence. After independence in 1980, he lived for himself and refused to consider God. One day, he decided to buy a cow. The seller, however, was attending an Adventist camp meeting, so Mordecai went to look for him. Arriving at the camp meeting field, he learned that the seller had left for a short time, so he sat down on the ground to wait. The preacher read from the Song of Solomon, and the words cut Mordecai to the heart. Take up the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. The preacher read from Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15. The preacher said the foxes were gobbling up the Israelites' crops, and God was permitting this terrible thing to happen because the Israelites were stubbornly refusing to repent and obey him. As Mordecai listened, he realized that he also faced destruction if he stubbornly refused to repent and obey God. I was the same as the Israelites who ran away from God, he said. He remembered the many times that God had protected him in the past. He had gone to war and returned without a single injury. His sins seemed enormous. Mordecai began to sob. He couldn't contain his grief as the tears rolled down his cheeks, and his weeping turned into loud cries of anguish. I understood that I was a sinner in front of my God, he said later. Mordecai stood up and, crying loudly, walked up to the stage. 
The preacher halted his sermon and immediately made an altar call. Dozens of people, touched by the tears of the hardened military veteran, came forward to give their hearts to Jesus. Mordecai, 68, has worked since 2006 as a global mission pioneer, a missionary who spreads the gospel among his own people in unreached areas. God has used him to cast out evil spirits and convert an entire church of 16 people, including the pastor. Mordecai praised God that his plan to buy a cow collapsed. The Spirit of God led me to sit and listen, and I thank God for that he said. And there's a photo here of Mordecai with his suit on, his shirt and his tie, and a beautiful smile. You have been listening to a reading of the Adult Sabbath School Bible Study Guide by Dr. Percy Harold from Queensland, Australia. This service is brought to you by Hope Channel, the Sabbath School Department and Christian Services for the Blind. Remember, God is always faithful.